welcome to another Energy Crew podcast. Me, your host, J.P. Warren, and uh, we are uh, recording this at the Petroleum Club in the bar area today on a Thursday, I believe, right before NAEP and OTC next week. Yep. And I'm sitting here with Bo Clark. And uh, before we begin, I got to say thanks to everyone for tuning in. Um, uh, you know, you can find uh, Energy Crew on any you know, obviously, wherever you're listening to right now, please leave a review, uh, like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff, and smash that like, smash button. that like button, <laughs> yeah, yeah, smash it, and then, uh, I think that's all the that's the only plugs I got. Yeah. So uh, anyway, let's get this kicked off. So I'm sitting Great. here with Bo Clark, the uh, executive vice president of Reservoir and Finance for Barton Creek Resources, and you started that pretty much uh, three months after COVID. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh Interesting time. We had just uh, exited out of Champion. Uh, so myself and uh, a good buddy of mine, Nathan Brown. Okay. And uh, we met up with uh, some ex-Jones Energy guys, uh, Bob Brooks, Jeff Tanner, uh, <clears throat> and decided to put this team together to try to pick up some of these assets that were for sure going to go into bankruptcy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, everything's, you can predict anything in the oil field. Absolutely. And so we uh, got the team together and we hit it pretty hard and there were just not nearly as many bankruptcies as we were hoping for. As we were hoping for. I mean, yeah, you got to be. No, I, I get that. So wait, let's give, do, where, what's your story? Where are you from? Where'd you go to school? Let's, let's get, let's do this. Let's do the whole, uh, the, the backstory the first. The long version of and it. Then, and we'll, then long, keep it as concise as you want or as sure. long as you want. I really don't care. I, right. I'm probably going to peel off on tangents, tangents anyway. That, that That's works. how I roll. And you, you just did your research and actually had to listen to a couple of these podcasts for coming I did. On. Yeah. I, I was, I'm super type A. I had to like, yeah, what's just, everyone else talking about? And it, and of so course, what, it's just whatever you yeah, guys so what want did, to talk So what about. did you learn from, I guess, researching Energy Crew? That there was, like, nothing I could really research. There's nothing, research. Like, there's just no, be, you know, there's not like be an, yourself. There's not like an ESG yeah. hot 10 minutes. There's I not, know. Or a leadership, you know, leadership seven. Like, yeah. What's, what's your thoughts on that? No, it's just shooting the shit. That's it. Right. That's all it is. Man, it's pretty, it, I'm, that's that's why I like it. But at the same time, you know, when, when you're going up on it, I'm just like, uh, what's he going to ask what's me? What's he going to ask me? Oh, I dude. I don't want to look. I don't want to look silly. Dude, there's so many times. Internet's like, forever. I hate how I was saying this. Like, there's so many times, like, I'm, like, doing a humble brag. There's not. There's been a couple times where it's, like, I'll, I'll be talking to, you know, someone will invite me to come on their podcast. And I'm, mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, that sounds great. Like, what are we going to talk about? They're, like, oh, we can talk about industry trends, you know, market sure. forecast. I'm, like, no. Like, I don't <laughs> want to talk about that because I'm going to sound like an idiot because I have no clue what I'm talking about when it comes to shit like that. Yeah. That's just me, though. Sure. I mean, each its own, man. But this is like, this is novel in itself. Like, this is why I think everyone flocks to it. Have you ever been uh, to the, the Petroleum Club? You know, I was at the Petroleum Club a long time ago when, when I was, was at A&M. Yeah. When was that one? The old one. Yeah. And uh, I'd gotten a scholarship or something for petroleum engineering. And... uh I remember going up there and just being like in awe. There's all these like, you know, high end people. And I'm just some like lowly college student. Like, thank you. Looking for, for an internship. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the money. Uh, <laughs> I bought some books. So it's, I mean, it's pretty cool. So they moved over here and uh, we're in the bar right now. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. They're bringing back wine, wine down Wednesday. So mm -hmm. where's your office? Is it downtown? Offices in the woodlands, man. Office, office in, in the woodlands? Office in at home. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So, wait, where are you where, where are you from? I'm from Spring, okay. actually. So, not that far. Okay. But uh, then my dad is in the oil field. What did he do in the oil field? He's a salesman for bits. Okay. And so, things were going great until I was born. 
And uh, oh, let's okay. Hold on. So let's <laughs> talk about that. What's going on, man? 84. 84. Oh, okay. All you right. know, the bottom falls out. I he thought it was you. Job. No. Okay. No, I'm probably the best thing that's ever happened to my parents. There you go. You know, if I had to say so. Uh, my other four siblings might not agree, but. So your dad was in sales? He was. What was that like growing up with a dad in oil field sales back in the 80s? I don't know. You know, I was just born. I don't oh, remember. So he, so he, after 84, well, yeah, that was so it. that was the thing. Yeah. The it, it, it bottom fell out. He's looking for work, um, found an opportunity in Missouri, of all places, moved the whole family. And so my earliest memories are growing up out in rural Missouri, which really? awesome. The okay. Ozarks and stuff. So I would just head out. You know, it's, it's kind of a boy and his dog type thing. I had a black lab. We'd go out in the woods and I would just be in the woods all day long. Come back when the- Come back for lunch, go back, you yeah. know, come back. And I just, I grew up loving nature and the stars and- you know, that's kind of what got me into science and engineering. Okay. Was just being, you know, around all that just raw nature, not growing up like in a city or anything. So wait, so you grew up there and you went to AM. So did you go to so did you go from Missouri to Texas AM? No. So the economy started picking back up in ninety two, ninety three, and then my dad came back okay. to Texas. Then we ultimately all moved back to Texas. We moved back to spring. Okay. Um, and so I ended up going spring high school, uh, and then from spring high went to Texas A&M. All right. So you went to Texas A&M. So being outside, being around nature, yeah. seeing all this stuff, that's how you kind of got your, uh, so you're going, you're going to school to get a petroleum engineer degree. So I, I signed up to, uh, I wanted to be in computer engineering. Okay. So I'm like, I'm always, you know, I like. It's the way of the future. Well, it is. And I, I enjoyed it. I did some stuff in, in uh, high school. I did programming. I did um, I had a little programming business. I'd make like TI-89 calculated programs. I'd sell them for like oh, a yeah. dollar and stuff. I remember like that hustle. Physics and You're stuff. one of those guys that, yeah. that could do that. Yeah. So I would do that. And so I was like, that's what I got to do. And so I signed up and they're like, no, you're going to go with your second major, which at the time I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just put math. And so I came in as like a math major. And then, you know, I'm going to my courses and stuff. And I went to my advisor and I'm like, what am I going to do? And he's like, he's this guy. And he just, you know, he had like a super hippie vibe, which is totally cool. Everyone can be a hippie if they want. But like, I wasn't what I was looking for. So I'm like, well, you know, what job prospects yeah. do I have? And he's like, well, you know, everything has math. You know, you use math everywhere. And I'm like, well, that's not helpful. That like, doesn't help at all. You can teach or, you know, lots of stuff. And I'm like, what's the lots of stuff? <laughs> And he's like, let me know? do my job for you. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was very unimpressed with that meeting. And uh, my roommate at the time, James Ruiz, uh, which you may know from, know from Q Engineering. Yeah. Um, he was my roommate. And actually, he competed with me in these calculator program wars in high school. And I came out the victor there. I'll say that. You, well, no, I mean, this. Well, first off, if you're hearing this now and you're watching this on the internet, so it's true. It is. So, okay, you won. I you won beat that him. one. Well, he, he we beat me that with now. Q engineering, of course. Well, we know that. Still, yeah, yeah, okay. that, that, that was that's a different one. story. We're talking about we're talking about the real stuff, the T eighty nine stuff. Exactly. Yeah, the stuff that matters. The stuff that people are talking about today. Mm -hmm. So uh, he uh, he came home one day uh, at our apartment and he's like, "Dude, I uh, I went over to um, the petroleum." Uh, engineering building because the girlfriend he had at the time, her dad was petroleum engineer. Okay. And he seemed to do pretty well. And he's like, dude, they just signed me up. And I was like, really? And I was like, I'll go over there. So I went over there like the next day or two days later or something. And this is what, like 2099? Uh, oh, three. Oh, three. Okay. Yeah. And um, 
I went over there and he was, and I talked to the, the department head and he's like, well, let me pull up your stuff. And he's like, okay, you're doing really good in math. You got good science skills. Okay. And he starts typing away, blah, blah, blah. And then he prints out this form and he hands it to me and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I'll look it over. He's like, oh no, I've already transferred you into petroleum. This is your new uh, course sheet. And it uh, looks like you're a little late for your first class. And so like my head, my face is like beat red. I'm like, I just totally changed the whole course of my life. That's insane. Yeah. And it was, and I just like went to that class. I just sat there and had like a mini panic attack. Like, what did I do? And I was like, well, it's engineering. Like that's, I'll, I can do something yeah, with that. I mean, that, I'm like, that combines the math and the science. Yeah. We're, we're, we're better. I'm better off the math. I'm like, let's just roll with it. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how this goes. And man, it's just one of those weird, lucky things that it just worked out that way. And here you are. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. Is the simple act of like just like sign you up and you're like, okay, I guess I'll <laughs> yeah. go do this. Yeah. Why not? Why not? So yeah. what did your dad say? Oh, he was he was thrilled. He's like, oh great. You know, he's like. People are always working in the oil field. He's like, if oil's high, everyone has a job, especially in Houston. Yes, yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah. My dad, my dad was like, may super, not be true today, but back then it was. Yeah, I know it's a little right. odd today. It's but weird yeah. today, isn't it? It's very weird. Seventy-five dollar oil, and people are still all slowly picking up rigs if they mm -hmm. are. It's kind of a weird. It's, it's a weird vibe out there. It's like a twilight zone kind of thing. It's weird. Yeah, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and uh, he he was at uh, Newfield, and uh, then he I guess went over the the banking side, the, the finance side mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And he's like, so what's the, what's the vibe out there in the, in the industry right now? Cause I guess he's kind of a little removed from it. I'm like, man, yeah. it's, it's, I can't describe it. It's like a, a, a cautiously optimistic limbo, uh, yep. pessimist. Cause I mean, you're hearing like acquisitions still happening and rigs aren't saying there's still capitals, you know, you know, exhausted yep. market. It's just, it's, it's a weird, it doesn't correlate with the price right now. It's a weird vibe. Right now. And then you have Washington calling, you know, Saudi or the OPEC nations. Sorry, asking, it's yeah. just like, what the, what the f is going on? I know it is. It is topsy turvy. Absolutely. So it, even with high oil price, it doesn't mean a uh, guaranteed jobs, right? Not now. anymore. But I would assume like, you know, your dad obviously gets burnt from the oil field. 84 happens. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, a nightmare. The next thing you know, his son's going to go in the same industry, but not, not the same sure. discipline, all this stuff. I mean, I, there's no like hesitation, like, man, you better watch out. Like you better have a plan B. There's nothing like that. It was more like, I mean, well, he, he did kind of caution me just on the, the cycles. Right. And so he, him and my mom as well, uh, helped me be kind of more financially responsible on certain things. And he's like, you know, there's going to be good times. There's going to be real bad times. Mm -hmm. He's like, so in the good times, make sure you're not just going crazy. You don't, don't be like some of these oil field guys buying, you know, four wheelers and big trucks and like all these things. Like literally the meme I just made. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah, just turn, yeah, turn that trailer around. Literally the meme I just made. <laughs> and so, so I, I just kind of took it at that. And so I'm like, you know, I, I was pretty cautious. I didn't go crazy with spending or anything. I just kept tucking stuff away. So downturn, if I were to lose a job or something, I'd be, I'd so be all right for a bit. So you went to, so you, you're at A&M, you get thrust into the uh, petroleum engineering yep. uh, program, you graduate, and then you stuck around and pursued a master's in uh I did. So the, uh, I, I graduated, I did that victory lap. So I was graduating in 08 yeah. as things were kind of hitting some weird, there was a lot of um, incredibly high job offers as far as compensation on some of, some of my friends. Right. And then, you know, some of them were getting pulled back a little bit, I guess, because we there was that hiccup in gas price at some point. And uh, so I was like, ah, I don't know if now is the time. I, I wasn't getting 
the offers I was really wanting. My GPA oh, okay. wasn't like terrible, but it wasn't, it wasn't a four Oh, right. It was like a three, two or something. Think, but that's the thing though. Like, w- would you want a four Oh student or would you want a three, two student? Honestly, knowing what I know now, I'd want a three, two student. That's what my not just saying like me, but like the people who have the typically not. And you know, it's, it's like anything there's, there's outliers, Yeah. but the, the people that I know that have done really well, weren't the people who are like super, super brainiac, uh, 4.0 students. Cause those are the people that you want in like a lab. Yeah. Those, people, those, those are people that can like dive into stuff and kind of start looking at And you like, want them to be very niche, very focused. Yeah. I mean, that's right. so my dad, I mean, my dad was at a, one of those big four, uh, accountant firms and he's like, look, you know, whenever we're hired, we don't want the 4.0 student. I mean, Smart it's like just because, I mean, that, that doesn't show teen. Obviously this, there's outliers, but it, Teamwork, you know, yeah. like we want to see social skills. We want to see this because this is an organization. It does move. You got to deal with different teams, different personalities. So often the 4.0 students, they may be geniuses at that stuff. But when it comes right. to working well with others, it's just not that. Yeah. Yeah. Just having a social aspect. Of yeah. It. You, know, you just meet, you know, there's a, what they call an engineer's engineer and you meet those people and they're just, you know, socially awkward, right? Geniuses though. Oh, super smart. Yeah. Like they're the super smart guys, but at the same time, it's hard to hold a conversation with them unless you're talking about something incredibly technical yeah. that they're into. Yeah. Um, no. So the, so I wasn't, I, I had a couple of job offers. None of them I was thrilled about. And then the department was, they came out with some announcement or I think maybe blasting game had talked to me and um, they were like, you know, if you stick around and do a master's, um, and you're like a graduate teacher, we'll pay the tuition. And I was like, okay, that's a pretty good deal. That's free. I like free. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, if, if they're paying for it, I might as well stick around. And A&M had a great program, uh, international petroleum management, which was, it's like half of an MBA and half engineering. Okay. So I spent wow. half of my time at the Mays business school doing accounting, yeah. finance management, um, international management, international affairs, and the other part doing graduate level, you know, uh, blowout control, gas reservoir engineering. That's such a cool experience. To get your oh, masters. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I loved it. And so I had blasting game as my uh, advisor for a little bit, but then he ended up going to like Australia for a little bit or something okay. like that. I forget what happened. He, he like left the country to go do something. And so then ultimately Dr. Lee was my advisor, which was awesome. Cause he's big. Dr. Lee's like the guy for petroleum economics. And so I was able to give my, you know, thesis and stuff to him. And I got a picture of me like handing it to him, you know, super dorky, but it, it's, I still keep it up in my <laughs> office. It's still in my, yeah, it's yeah. still in my office. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, took, I took down my family picture, put that up there instead. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. I, naturally. I mean, it's an office, it's a place of business, not family. Exactly. So you graduate, then, then, then what happens? I mean, where, where do you land? Cabot Oil and Gas. And? I had a couple offers there, but... Um, I had interned with Cabot and I just, I really liked the vibe. I, I liked you were the culture. a Gessner right there. I was. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they had, when I interned with them, they were over off Eldridge and then they just moved into this Gessner building when I started full time and May of 2010. June Hold on 2010. a second. Where was Cabot on Eldridge? So was that near the SM building? I don't know. So you're heading I 10 out, you take a left on Eldridge, you go down and you pat what's, what's one of the Memorial. Big, Past Memorial. Yeah. It, it was like something enclave. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot that they were there. That was yeah. like when I first got into sales. Yeah. So they were wow. over there and that's okay. where I interned. Yeah. At. Okay. And, uh, I liked it and I had, I had a great boss, uh, uh, Larry, uh, Hairgrove. 
And he taught me, he was a great mentor, helped me out a ton. And he's just, he really was like one of the nicest guys ever. He's, he was pretty old at that point, older, older gentleman. He knew a lot, but he was just like so full of life. And like, he's one of those guys that like, he, he was just too good to like curse or something like that. And he's, he'd say like, well, excuse my language, but damn, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Like just a really good guy. And he always looked out for me and I, I just really liked him. And so he, he told me he was going to get me a spot. Uh, after my internship and he did and they had they gave me a really good offer so i was like yeah let's go there and i enjoyed my time there doing reservoir and then ultimately they got i kind of got rolled a little bit into the the finance piece of the engineering where i was helping doing the budget and yeah. the forecasting cash flow stuff like that so that that rolls up for our capital allocation you know what's cool about that though i mean you're talking you're telling me your experience and obviously you're naming your mentor you're naming his name and you're saying why they were a good mentor you know yeah. it's like I feel like mentorship, and this is just obviously is coming from off, you know from the hip right now. Yeah, mentorship is a big part of our industry. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Having a good mentor, having someone think about it. It's probably you know ten years ago or whatever years ago, and you're we're sitting here talking about them. You know, yeah. what I mean, mentors make impact in people's lives. I feel like you know I I know my who my mentors were. You know what I mean? You know yours. I, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like our people, our age, our you know, sit, you know, wherever we're at in, in our careers, are we doing enough? Are we actually reflecting and thinking like, man, is it, it's our time to be mentors, you know, like it's, it's Absolutely. an active, it's an active thing to do. I mean, are we doing that enough as, as you know, your, your, your friends, your circles, my circles, like, are we doing that as enough? In general, I don't think people are doing enough. Um, and I've tried, you know, even myself, I, I find myself getting lazy sometimes and just not wanting to do things, but I've tried to make it an active habit to help especially people who are wanting to help themselves mm -hmm. right and so there there have been a few instances where um uh, a, a good friend of mine that i worked with his son got into petroleum engineering and couldn't find an internship and so i i told that was when i was out in midland and i was like send him over here and yeah. he, he lived with me for a little while and i just took him to work every day he did some work for us a champion um that's this is exactly what i'm talking and about. i'm like you know and i I take him out, I took him out to the field. I showed him all, all the, the wells we had, the pumps that we had on different, the, our, our water handling, all that stuff, because I, I want to give back to that. I try to do that to my nieces and nephews and you know, the opportunity presented itself and I'm like, I got to do it. That's and, awesome. And he's a great kid. He was super um, uh, appreciative of it. And uh, he'll still call me from time to time. And I'll, I'll have 30 minutes. He's actually funny enough. He's actually, he might've just finished it interning with Cabot this summer up in Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah. Okay. And so he called me a couple of times like, Hey, can you look at my presentation or do you have any ideas for Running projects and stuff? I'm like, yeah, this, but this that is, is mentorship though. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, it's just, you know, he's pretty, pretty new in the industry. And then, yeah. and then in fact that and he's he has a smart so kid, he just doesn't know. You just got to be able to point him into a direction. You got to learn the work. It. You got to learn the corporate side. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you're at, you're at Cabot. So you get more toward the finance. Are you liking the finance side of things? I like it because that's where the decisions get made. Okay. Right? And so that's what kind of, I got put into it because I had some of the finance background from the masters. Right. And so I was doing the forecasting, rolling that into uh, the region forecast, running the cash flows, looking at different, you know, anytime we do AFE stuff, you got to do all the IRRs, all the uh, project metrics. And so I kept getting more and more involved in it and I was really liking it. Okay. But then at a certain point, um, there was a, uh, a uh, kind of an internal uh, switch up of things 
and a lot of people got let go. Mm -hmm. And luckily enough, I didn't. Yeah. But then they're like, hey, you know, we think you're awesome at this. You're really, really good at this. Um, and, uh, you know, you've done a lot of stuff. I wrote a bunch of programs to automate a bunch of the stuff that was taken in forever. And um, on the TI 89. Yeah. No, yeah. We, we had it plugged in to their central server. And, uh, and uh, they're like, so thanks for doing all that stuff. Great. Now you're going to be like production engineer. And I was like, that's kind of a switch. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, okay. well, I mean, I'm doing it well. I'm like, okay though. Like, I, I like a challenge. I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. I, uh, I'll do this and I, I think that's fine. I want the opportunity, but let's set some goals for me. And if I can hit these, then let's talk about some extra compensation. Okay. And, uh, it was like, the first time I ever had one of those negotiations, I was like super nervous, but it went really well. And they were Did like, you prep for that? Oh yeah. You know, I did. Did you like, did, was it like never split the difference prep or was it like, uh, it was never say a number and just be quiet. Yeah. Let the silence, let, let, the, the let them set the anchor point. Yeah. That, that's and pretty, it was that's, a you very know, long silence. You I pretty, you pretty much just summarized the book of never split the difference. <laughs> just let them talk, never set a number and keep and silence is good. Awkward silence is better. That's it the is. whole book right there. Yeah, I mean, and it, it worked out well that time. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So that worked and I was doing that. And then um, at a certain point, my my mentor and, and my boss in, in the reservoir department, Larry had retired and they had a big party and stuff for him. Well, then I get this call out of the blue as I'm doing production stuff. Hey, uh, we got your number from Larry. He was doing some consulting work for us. We think that you might be a good fit for our company. Let's talk more about it. So I look up the company. They're a... Um, at the time, they were managing like $2.4 billion, and it was they were the energy exposure to much, broad, to much broader portfolios. So you would have... So this wasn't an E&P company? No, this was an investment company. Gotcha. But they specialized only in energy investments, particularly okay. long-only um, public traded equities. Okay. So they were like... They basically told me, hey, you know, we figured... We wanted somebody who could do the engineering, especially on the reserve side, to look at these 10Ks and see if they're BS or not. And uh, we figured it'd be a lot easier to teach an engineer finance than teach a finance guy the engineering. I guess. And I was like, okay. And so we talked about it. And then uh, I got another, my second um, whack at the old uh, negotiation uh, tree there. And, and I negotiated a pretty good deal with them. And so I went on with them and we were working a couple buildings away over in the enterprise building at the 50th floor. I had like this sweet view of like uh, north side of, of downtown. So it you're going, awesome. you're going from Cabot. All right. And yeah. now you're, now you're going to the, to the, to the money side. Yeah. How and was, so it how, was, so what year was this? It was thrilling. Uh, 2014, 2014. Yeah. So it was hilarious. Cause as soon as I joined that, I joined in like September. Oh, November then, black, exactly. black Friday. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they were like, the oil's done nothing but go down since you since we hired you. And it's pretty hard to, uh, when you're a long only energy firm, like what else can you do? You can go to cash, but you don't get paid to hold cash. So we went on cash on some things, but, uh, yeah, it was interesting. You, you basically just got to lose less money than your index. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. That's I mean, the part, part of making money is not losing it. You yeah. Know? Um, so yeah, so I worked there for three or four years. Okay. I, I loved it. It okay. was, a lot of, was, lot of learning, a lot of, a lot of different, ton of learning, learning through different a fire deals. Hose. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you got to know the vernacular and understand, you know, you know, cause I'm used to like reserves and I'm used to cash flows and stuff like that. But 
Now we're talking like EV to EBITDA metrics of like these public what companies. What an awesome experience though, man. Oh, it was, it was thrilling. And, and not only that, but the, um, the access to incredible people. So I went from like, you know, maybe I'll buy stocks online of, you know, uh, Diamondback or Concho or something yeah. to like going and sitting down with the CEO and talking to him like one-on-one. Hey, so this is your plan. And I would just, I'd, I'd look at their plan and I'd think of what would I do differently? Or how could I do this differently? And I'd ask them those questions. And a lot of them were just fantastically nice and uh, forthcoming as much as they can be. Um, and basically that was my job to go talk to these people, go to these investor conferences, um, like, like any of these other financial analysts, but I was like the engineer in the room. And um, I, I just found it exhilarating. I can you know, only I, imagine, I, dude. Going, I felt like, you know, big, important guy. I was like flying to New York a bunch, go to these conferences. And my wife's just like, you know, are you going to like, I'd like you to be home. And you're like four or five years out of school, right? And yeah. you're like, sorry, but I've got to get on a flight to New York City. Yeah. And uh, so it, it was a lot of fun, but it, it's, it was a lot of work. So yeah. at that point, I'm doing like standard 60-hour weeks, you know, 60 to 80-hour weeks because you're there. I'd get up at four in Garden Oaks, drive downtown, work out at the, the, the Houst- Houstonian Light. Over there in uh, Wells Fargo building. Okay. All right. Okay. It, it's pretty small gym, but I, I mean, I'm mostly doing cardio and weights. Okay. Work out there, come over and I'd be at my desk by like 6.37 or something like that. And then stay there till 8 p.m. And just do that every day. I, I mean, I got two I'm sure kids your now. Wife, I'm sure your that. wife was just loving that. Like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, I don't see you in a wake up and I see you and literally it's like. So yeah, we had to like go do trips or something yeah. like that to make up for lost time. But reconnect. Um, essentially, yeah. Babe, I'm doing this for us. I can only imagine, yeah. like, literally, us? Yeah. Us? Exactly. Well, we're not here. There is no us when you're not here. Exactly. Like, Babe. I know. Yep. It's, I mean, she's not wrong, but it's like. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. So, anyway, so. Okay, sorry. So, let's no, let's, let's get back let's get back on the track. Sure, so, sure. let's talk about the whole. So, you're learning all this awesome stuff. You're sitting in front of these uh, pretty much the people the, yeah. at the table. Uh, asking them questions, getting them to think differently, right? And you're loving this. You're, you know, you're that yeah, guy you're working, busting your ass, taking trips, uh, figuring out what's going on. And it kind of gets to a point where it's like, okay, this is this is getting this. It's a lot right now. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but I mean, I I was really loving it. I wasn't thinking about doing anything differently. Um, but the the only problem inherently was ESG was really creeping up at that point. What year? So, Fourteen. Year? Well. 14, 15, you know, people started putting money back in in 15 as we came back up. But coming in. You saw ESG back then? Oh, yeah. Was it titled ESG? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like ESG has it, always been in the industry, but it's always, it's a different title. Yeah, moving, moving. I mean, maybe it wasn't like forefront ESG. It was, it was, so, so, it was just socially responsible yeah, stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but regardless, some of the, we, we were running money for a lot of, really big pensions. Okay. Um, different firefighters, um, police departments, teachers. Um, and so we'd run a lot of that money, but they were getting pressure from their constituents that, Hey, we, we don't want to be invested in the vices. And I, I remember, I think it was a wall street journal article or was that like tobacco? Yeah. They started lumping oil in with like tobacco and alcohol yeah. and gambling. And they're like, so now that that's on some list somewhere, we can't be invested in that. And so we, we were having a lot of uh, fund withdrawals and 
not not due to our you know our performance we were actually doing really well performance wise but because it got hit with it because so, it, it made that list yeah and so it was pulling uh, i mean we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars people pulling money out and we're just and that's what we're making our money on is the AUM we weren't doing we weren't like a hedge fund where you get like 2 and 20 it was like a standard like a 1.8%. What's your, I mean, so what's your feelings on that? So you're in the industry and then you're on the, on the money side and all that stuff. Suddenly we get put on a list, this arbitrary list, or whatever that is. Yeah. And people are like, oh, don't want to touch it. Don't want to touch it. Which is whatever. And so you're seeing all the, all these funds kind of, kind of get pulled back and all that stuff. What right. is, what is, like, what, like, what are you thinking? Like, what are you saying? Like, it's just like, is it? I mean, I try to look at it positively in that, okay. I mean, first, it kind of sucks in general. Like, I don't want, I don't want it there to be. I don't want this world where my kids grow up to think that I I worked in a bad industry yeah, or something yeah, like that. You're a villain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, when there's bad things, there's opportunity. Just like in you know COVID, the uh, March of 2020, great time to put money in the market, right? You just got to try to. Flip your flip your brain a little bit and like okay don't focus on the bad how can I make this better yeah, for me yeah. right now um, and so I was like okay money's getting pulled out which which isn't good for our AUM uh, but as an industry as a whole that means there's gonna be less capital which means that there could be better deals to get okay not there's going to be less competition potentially okay um, and so that's I, I try to start looking for just better opportunities um, and if people especially large funds have to liquidate then that i mean you, you try not to do it you got to spread it out so it doesn't like move the price you know within a day and so the the orders to sell certain things would be spread out over a long period of time but so if you the, know people are exiting a, a position then you can potentially buy that for uh you know an arbitrage discount. but that's if you that's if you know though so pretty much sure so so the logic is with capital pulling back there's gonna be a lot of better deals and we did it uh, did you find the logic uh, did, did you find that meeting reality? I tried to, I don't think I ever got anything like there was no, I didn't, um, like, uh, uh, what's that guy? I didn't like do a housing market kind of bet on it or anything like that. Oh, the dude in, um, yeah, I, know, I, I, I can't remember the name of the movie. All of a sudden. Big short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't do anything, you know, like that. That'd have been cool. No, but no, but I'm saying, but like, you know, like you, you look, obviously when the capital's, Coming back, you expect this, this, and this to happen, right? right. Like, with well, if capital comes back, then there's less capital, there's less drilling. You're going to see it, it; it'll affect the macro, which it did. Right? right. They got shelved a lot of uh, large offshore projects, right. um, delayed offshore pro and like even today, I saw it on LinkedIn. Uh, somebody had brought it up, maybe the uh, Beachwood guy. Uh, there's like no major exploratory projects going on right now, other than Guyana, which is. I wouldn't call it exploratory anymore, right? That's, I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, they, there's still pockets, right? But right. there's no major, major finds right now. So what do you, I guess, what's the uh, implications like that? You're seeing that too. So then you see that and you're like, okay, well then we're not getting, we're not getting flooded with oil. And even if, you know, we start ramping up drilling a ton in the Permian, those just have such a steep decline. I mean, yeah. It's a treadmill. You just got to continually do it. So, I mean, it, I, it really leads to a shortfall at some point in supply. Now, when that happens, if it truly materializes at the same time that demand's still high, like, you know, demand slingshotted back from like 80 million barrels a day to 101 yeah, or yeah. something like that. Um, 
And, you know, there, I mean, there, there's crunch. I mean, you see inventories going down, but people will start picking it up, but you need the capital to do that. So in my eyes, okay, less capital will be opportunities in the publicly traded stuff. Yeah. And then there could be opportunities in the private stuff because there's just less competition. There's less money out there trying to pick up projects. Yeah. Um, and that's the way I, I, I saw it at the time. I, we didn't see anything like monumental. We didn't get into anything amazing. Um, other than I, I did pick uh, WPX at one point. WPX did a great job. Um, Luke McDougal, you did great. Yeah. No, the, the whole team over there, uh, Clay Gaspar, um, really good guys. Um, and they just, they knocked it out of the park and now they're, they're the whole merger thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah was was it Devin now? Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, at, at the time they were, they were just getting kind of ramped up over in the Permian and they started doing their own water handling Yeah, and doing their own. And I was like, this is the ticket. This water stuff's going to be huge. And it ultimately was until it, you know, the bubble burst on it, but they were way ahead of the game on that. So where are you seeing, I guess, I mean, it's kind of a broad question, obviously, if we're, if you had the answer, we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd probably be sitting in some place uh, in your mansion off of Bitha, but uh, with, you know, pretty much all this capital getting pulled out and all this stuff. And there's these projects that need to be drilled. You know, the, the, the demand is there. Yeah. The supplies. I mean, so what, what's going to be the flip? I mean, how, how, how is capital going to come back in, into the market? I mean, do you see, what, what do you see happening? Well, what we've been seeing as of late, because we've been, we've been fielding deals. Um, we put in a few bids on a couple of deals that uh, we saw, uh, unfortunately, without success at this point. But the, um, there's less capital out there. The capital is a little bit more squeamish, even, yeah. even at the PE firms. And so, you know, we talked to them. We're like, okay, so... You know, the, the days of buying something and flipping it, you know, for a 5X in, in a few years or 10X or even doubling it overnight, that's likely over. There's going to be some outliers, but that's not, that's not what you can model on. So why don't we, instead of working off this five-year timeline, let's look longer. Let's look at seven and a 10-year and let's have a, a true, like, blowdown model. And so we, we modeled that out on a few of our cases going out seven to eight years on a couple of Eagleford uh, items that we liked. And we're like, if we, we buy into it at this price, we use our capital, you know, to drill X amount of wells a year, just mostly lease obligation stuff and, and really good uh, locations. Uh, and then as soon as it's already cash flow positive, we just start kicking out dividends. Let's start, let's start getting the money back to the investors. Yeah. And then just have it and run it into the ground. I mean, nobody, everyone's waiting on the exit. There's not going to be any big flashy IPOs. Um, that's, that's, I think, I think that way of doing business is over, man. Yeah. Like it's, I think that ended in 2016, 20, 2017. The whole, uh, punch a couple holes in the ground and flip it. Yeah. That's just not happening. Not, no. And you're finding companies now operating their companies like a business now versus trying to like, you know, flip it sooner than later. Yeah. Well, and then they're, and that's, that's kind of the thing. You're, they're looking for a yield now. And the PE groups will tell you, yeah, that sounds wonderful. That's great. We're like, okay, well, let's do this on this. And they're like, we're just not ready to do that yet. I think they're still in a what, mode. What, what's going to shake them out of that mode? I think they're trying to get all their ducks in a row. I mean, you saw that um, e, uh, NCAP, NCAP just bought EP. Uh, they're breaking what was it, 1.5 billion or something like that? Yeah. Something like Crazy. That. Yeah. And they're going to rip that apart, put it in their port codes. And there's other, there's other ones that are, I know just, you know, from, from friends in the industry that they're, 
management teams are getting slashed and they're smashing the assets together with somebody else just to cut GNA costs. So it's still, it's still a pretty wild ride still, right now. Still happening. Yeah. And so I, I don't know when that stops. Um, I was talking to, um, before this, I was having lunch with, uh, Dan Pickering. Oh so yeah. Okay. We hanging out. Um, amazing guy. Uh, super smart, really down to earth. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of getting, getting his pulse on it and he kind of just, was mirroring kind of what I was thinking. He's like, yeah, it's, it's gotta be longer stuff. He's like, but even then it's, it's still hard to get the money right now. Like they're going to the capital providers, but the capital providers that we're used to, they're kind of not wanting to let things go. Very you're, you're, looking for, you're looking for new capital elsewhere, maybe family offices or something like that. And everyone still seems a little bit, a little bit hesitant. And what's, I think what, it's what's going to change that. I, I'm honestly, I, I haven't really thought it all the way through. I, I know part of it is, again, there's probably not going to be these big IPOs. So then you wonder what's my exit, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're not going to have an EMP company IPO and because the public equities aren't getting the necessarily the credit that they deserve for some of this stuff and extra regulatory ESG requirements, um, when you go public, so why not just keep it private and run it out? Okay. Um, so that, that's an option that. and, and, and maybe just start kicking out dividends. That, that would be the only thing. I don't know at what point the, um, the outside capital sees that opportunity and starts putting money in. I don't know. It, I mean, the run up in the stock market hasn't helped. People have loved to put money in, uh. in index funds. So, you know, putting private placement where there's a lot less liquidity to get your money out if you need to, it's tougher for some people to stomach. Um, but I don't know. There's other means. I, I talked to you uh, because I was watching your podcast. Which Sub one? Subscribe. Smash that like button. Smash that like button. <laughs> Tune in next week for an all new episode. <laughs> so what, what, um, which Laura. one? Uh, I sat down with uh, Laura. Yeah, Palma Filler. Filler. Palma Filler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I, I think that that's incredible what they're doing. I think that idea is, I love that idea. It's, it's a great idea. I talked to her about a couple of other ideas. Um, you know, kind of spinning off that. And she was like, yeah, no, we're, we're looking into some of these things too. And I'm like, that's awesome. Nice. Good. Good. Um, and so just being able to get, it's not necessarily, maybe the game changes when you're not relying on the same old capital all the time. If you can start getting capital from people. I like that. Right. Yeah. If you start getting capital from, you know, me and you and my buddy who drives trucks. Whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, you make the pie big enough. You don't need as big of a slice. I like that. Yeah. Just kind of find new, new, new ways to get capital. Right. It's just kind of, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like people know they need to find new ways, but it's just like people have a tough time thinking outside the box. I've realized, yeah. I mean, people are very used to their ways. They're used to the way we've done business with, uh, how they've done business when it comes to being innovative and thinking out of the box and creating new ways and like attacking things in a different manner or, or being resourceful, it's, 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 it's tough to get people to cross that bridge or to start thinking that way in that innovative yeah. way. Yeah. I agree. Thing. So you yeah. just got back here. You just got back to Houston. You're living in the woodlands now. Yeah. And you moved back from how long were you in Midland? For? Uh, just over four years. Tell me about your time there, man. It was, uh, so we, um, I got the job offer to go out there and, had their engineering department. Okay. 
And, uh, and so you're like, back on the engineering side, not doing the finance. Right. All right. Well, but they also wanted help on the finance side. They didn't really have anybody on the finance side. Mm-hmm. And they needed somebody to be like the liaison for uh, the PE guys because they're like, you know, we're putting these reports together. The PE guys don't like anything we're doing. And I was like, okay, I think I know what they want to see. So I was doing kind of both of it. Um, but I, I mean, I did have some engineering help, but I was doing mostly like the corporate reserves and then running that out for our forecast and, you know, talking to the PE guys all the time. So I went out there. Well, when I got that offer, uh, I went home and go to tell my wife and she's like, uh, Oh, I got a surprise. And I was like, Oh, cool. Uh, so do I, and she's like, I'm pregnant. And I go, Oh, Okay. The same day y'all yeah. told each other? Yeah. Oh my God. And it was like, um, okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting. How would you like to move to Midland? She's like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> she's like, I already have doctors here. I got my family here. And I was like, we're delivering at this hospital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everything, yeah. everything was yeah. already mapped out. And I, I mean, I don't blame her, but, and I was like, uh, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity potentially. So, uh, anyway, so I, Took her out there and she did and not want to go. And she just fell go. in love with it. Oh, she yeah. saw the, the It was scenery. like a drought. Everything was brown. Cold. Yeah, cold. Ugh. It sucked. Like, it, it's way, I mean, we were, we lived in Garden Oaks here. And so it's super lush. There's not like curbs and gutters. So everyone has these big, sprawling, bright yes. green yards. There's trees everywhere. We go to Midland, there's like five trees. And like everything was brown from the drought. And she was like, I can't believe. And she's, she told me, if I'm going to move out here, I need a house with a pool okay. and a house that has trees. And I was like, okay. So I go on. And of course, that was right after Anadarko just moved a ton of people out there. So everything Everything's was hot. picked up. So there was like, I did, I put that filter on. There's two houses. And I was oh, like, God. okay, well, let's go look at this one because it's, it's. They actually have a tree filter? No. Well, you can Google map it and see what Okay. All right. I'm with you. Yeah. They, they, you might as well. I mean, you never know if you're out there, but I was put a tree filter on. Yeah. Um, and so we went to look at the one house that was the less expensive one. So I'm like, I don't know how much I want to spend on a house out here. You know, whether it just goes belly. Yeah, up. you never know what's going to happen out there. And um, then uh, we're like, yeah, it's okay. It's not bad. And we look at this other one and we're like, yeah, this is, we like it a little bit better, but it's more expensive. And so we're like, maybe we'll go back to the other one. It's sold. Like, uh, okay, mm. well then I guess we'll buy this house. So we like bought the house hard. We didn't need, we didn't do get to do the walkthrough. We had to have like a friend and stuff do the walkthrough and inspections for us. Um, and uh, cause we were, cause we were flying back and forth and I was just like, I, I just didn't have time to get over there. You can't there. go back there. Yeah. And do, yeah. And so um, that's so oil field. Just it buy. was crazy. Buy yeah. it. I'll get there, man. Oh, I know it was nuts. And so we, we packed up and moved out there and then um, just like the, some guy at, at a party before we left told me this, we were telling him we were going to Midland and he's like, Oh yeah, we, uh, I lived out there for like seven years. And I was like, Oh, you and your wife. And he's like, yeah. He's like, drug her out there kicking and screaming, drug her back kicking and screaming. I'm like, really? And they're like, once you get out there, people love it. You get your friends, you got, you like the climate. So the people and that was awesome, the people that love it though, are the ones that have families. You know what I mean? If you go out there as a single dude, single guy, it would suck. single dude. I it. It's it's, I mean, there's nothing to you've do. already swiped you, you're done swiping right you're done yeah. that's it yep but that's the thing though like you know just like like you know like just like, so I lived in 
actually I can compare it. I, I lived in Saudi Arabia, you know, like, but when you get there, it's kind of like an expat community. Man, sure. it's kind of like a, a community, you know? Yeah. So well, I mean, almost everybody's from somewhere else. Though, yeah, exactly. Sure. So it's like, I mean, you, whenever, like when Anadarko moved over and out there and all stuff, I was talking to my buddies like, Oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Yeah. They get out there. And the next thing they know, it's like, yeah, I don't see myself coming back. I, I like it out here. You know, I, I really enjoy it. Interesting. Out there. Yeah. Like we, we immediately were just looking at all the bad things when we got there. We we're like, you know, the house was nice. And, uh, but we're like, God, all the food sucks. Everything. I mean, we're growing up in Houston. You kind of don't. Houston is the best food, bro. But you don't realize that growing yeah. up. It's just, it's just the food. It's here, yeah. Yeah. And so, and then you realize like, oh, people go travel to Houston to eat the food and stuff. And so, I mean, we would always eat a ton when we came back. But we, I get like on, on my hand, five places maybe that we would can continually eat at. Because most of the other places I just I hated. What spots did you miss in Houston the most? Oh, in Houston? Oh, man, all of them. We used to go to Papa's Steakhouse down here. I love West that or downtown? Downtown. Do you remember was the strip house downtown? Yeah, we ate there once. I didn't like it. It, it was, was too a, dark. It was very dark, but I do remember they had a hamburger there that was phenomenal. I didn't have they had a, They had a lunch hamburger. I remember I couldn't, they were like, is your steak done? I'm like, I can't tell. It's, I can't, I can't it's tell. It's very dark in here. Exactly, so enjoy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I do remember That's part of a secret. That, um, Maggiano's, we'd eat at a bunch. Um, Maggiano's. I like a Maggiano's. Wait, are you talking about the one over the the Italian place? Yeah, family style over there off of uh, well, West Post Oak. Oh, Post Oak. Post Oak. Yeah. Maggiano's. Dude, I love Maggiano's. Okay, I respect that. That's good stuff. Okay, I'm, I'm not. Um, but that I mean, we eat there, and then we would eat. I don't know, just some of. The, oh, oh, what? I was almost gonna say Popsitos. No, we like Papados a lot. And then, uh, but for the Mexican, we always go to Lupe Tortilla. Oof, That's our place. That's a good spot. Yeah. yeah. Good spot. So we miss those a lot. We saw that you could you could order Lube tortilla out there, and they would like air flight it. Or, it was expensive. So, but it is an option on their website. Wait, you can order it out? Yeah, in Midland, like it, it's not cooked. Like they send you the beef all seasoned and stuff, and you cook it up yourself. Oh, Lupe, that's yeah. that's thinking that's Why not? Box. Exactly. So you're at this company. You've been there for four years, right? Yep. And it's time to come back to H Town. What brought you back? Well, we ended up wrapping up the company. Wrapping up the company late uh, June, July of 2020. Okay. Which was not the ideal time for like pricing and stuff, but it it just made sense at the time. June 2020. Okay. Yeah. And so at that time, uh, me and my buddy Nathan started a consulting company where we would do like, we're both professional engineers. So we do like stamp work, do reserve audits, stuff like that. Um, and then we got a call from these Barton Creek guys, like, Hey, we heard you guys are available. How do you know these guys? So Jeff Tanner actually used to work at Cabot and he worked with Nate and their Denver office okay. before they closed. Okay. They closed the Denver office. Those guys got moved to Houston. Um, and Jeff was there for a little bit when I started and I worked with Nate at Cabot my whole time at Cabot. Um, and so we, and we've become very good friends. And, uh, so Nate had worked with Jeff for a while and they had a pretty good rapport. So Jeff called on Nate and uh, Nate's like, well, you know, I got this guy, Bo, too. We're kind of a, uh, we've been working together on a lot of things. You know, let's talk to him as well. So they pulled me into it as well. And, and so I've been doing, for all of our deals, Nate does a lot of the development type work. Yeah. And then I'll do, I'll take all the roll up stuff and then I'll just do like a million financial models in Excel and using Combo Curve and stuff like that. Combo Curve. Combo Curve, man. 
you're not using combo curve, you better be using it. And if you need combo curve, you contact Dean Murphy, Texas A&M graduate, just started over there. You know that? You know Dean Murphy? I don't know Dean Murphy. So Dean Murphy, so he was the Texas A&M SB president um, last year. Okay. And uh, at round, on Round the Rotary, I had him and Keaton Upshaw. They were both seniors, about to graduate, petroleum engineers and all that stuff. Yeah. Dean hit the streets hard networking. Good. That son of a bitch was everywhere, shaking hands. He was at OGGN. He was at uh, Block, Digital Walkhouse Block Party. Yeah, that's he's what they do. He's just, he was everywhere, man. And uh, I mean, I'm, and then uh, I was talking to him and he graduated and all that stuff. And he just got a job over at Combo Curve. And apparently he is crushing it over there. Good. Yeah. He's, Those he's guys a are on fire, man. He's a badass, man. So, um, Combo curve. So, anyways, okay, that's what we're talking about. So, you you, you joined back. You joined them in June 2020, right? Yeah, you, uh, August, man. August 2020. Yeah, yeah. You got to move back during during COVID time, right? So we were looking at moving back, and like it was just like, well, at the time, you know, I got some there were some health issues with uh, my dad, and so I'm like, okay. well, I kind of want to get back closer to family and stuff. You know, I want my boys to grow up around yeah. their grandparents a little bit more because we didn't get to see them that often. We did like are they the, up in spring? Uh, they, they moved since they're over in, uh, Kingwood. Now. Okay. And, um, so, you know, we would do like the Alexa or, um, you know, FaceTime and stuff, but like, it's just not the same. It's know? not. So I was like, you know, what, let's, let's look at it. And, then, and the market was just crap in 2020. Well, come 21, I'm like, you know, we're still out here. We're, we're still kind of doing our, our same thing. I'm like, but I, I kind of do want to get back. I'm, I'm missing. It's time. Yeah. Um, and so. Like, you know what, we'll just, how about this? And, and Christina at that point, she's like, no, I mean, I like it here. We have our family or we have our, our family. We have our community. We have our friends. We got our, our kids were in this great Montessori school. Um, and they were just like thriving in it. And we, you know, they had like play dates all the time and stuff. Well, less at that point because of COVID. But, um, and I was like, well, I'll tell you what, let's just, we'll put the house on the market. We'll just, we'll test it. We'll put a, a high price on it that, you know, probably won't get. 24 hours within 24 hours someone came in with an almost full cash well it was a full price offer almost all cash well uh, houses with pools man yeah houses with pools i think it was the same thing yes you wanted a pool for sure i mean that's it and i was like and we had just we had just remodeled the backyards we had new pool new travertine all um i got tired of messing with the grass back there so it was all turf and it was the backyard was sweet and so they were they walked into it and they saw it. They're like, yeah, this that's is, it. Yeah. This is it. Well, actually, to be fair, they did not. The, the realtor came in and FaceTimed the house that and is then they so put the offer on and then they had their mom come check it out weeks later, I guess, during one of the inspections. And she was really into it and they didn't see it for the first time until like the day before we moved out. They came over. That's insane. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's about the same I guess, thing that I guess, we did. I guess how, that's how it works, though. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, full price. And there was like no concessions. Usually, like, when, when we bought the house in Garden Oaks, like, we, we gave an offer. And then, like, you know, you, you get that. You get a guy who will write a big binder about all things wrong with the house. Oh, the shingle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, you, you try to take a bunch of money off. But it didn't Nothing. happen here. Nothing off. And I was like, I, I mean, we can't beat this. That's the easiest. Yeah. That's the easiest take transaction. You, like, you guys like being back? We do, other than, I mean, we, we got a lot of friends we miss out there, but I did not realize how much I loved the climate out there in the desert. That dry heat. Go on. It's cold in the evenings, cool in the oh, evenings. okay. And I mean, it'll be 102 outside, 
you can go outside and you don't, I've sweat more in the past month I've been here than the entire four Dude, years. Dude, it's like Top there. Gun here. You know, in Top Gun, the movie, like they're always sweating. Like, yeah. I don't give a shit what scene it is. Yep. They're always like perspirating. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's exactly like that is here. Like, I was, I, was getting, I, was, I was paying for my park and I'm like, oh my God. I know. Hot. Yeah. Shit. So you, do y'all like, so y'all like, y'all like, how, so how's it, how's it getting back here? I mean, obviously you've been in the industry long enough. You know, yeah, you have a lot of connections. You have a lot of, how's it come back here? I guess, I guess replugging yourself into the Houston, I guess, oil and gas community and start making uh, connections that way. How's that been for you? It's been working out pretty good. I've been a little slow at it personally. I, I I've kind of taken some like time to just be with the boys and yeah. stuff like that. Cause I've just been where, I mean, they're young enough to where they're probably not going to remember any of this stuff, but. I just kind of worry about them, like being upset that they're not with their friends and stuff. So we've been doing a lot more family time. Okay. Going to parks and, and stuff when I'm not doing like BCR work or any of the consulting stuff. Um, and so the, the place we landed at uh, Creekside over there in the woodlands. So it's like pretty new area, lots of nice restaurants, which is great. I got a, we got like, dude, we got to rein it in because I'm getting a little tight in these pants now. Dude, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's again, Houston food, man. Yeah. Houston food. And Woodlands has it set up right because if you are a chain, you're a good chain up there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, but they have really good restaurants up oh, there. Oh, it's awesome. There's like the this Italian joint, Avanti. I haven't, I haven't been there. Yeah. I, first time I ever saw it was there. They said they have a few different locations. I never heard of it. It is awesome. It was really good. They, they, I'll, I'll tell you this they do not have good. Italian food in Midland and people can make comments and say that. What I'm kind wrong. of, okay. What, what, what's good in Midland? The food. Our was. favorite restaurant in Midland, I think was Bubba's 33. What's that? It's, I, I think it's a chain, but they do like burgers and salads and uh, just a it's, it's kind of like a bar. Gotcha. I, I mean, it's not like a bar, but they have a huge bar section and their whole thing is one of their big things is like, we have the coldest beer in town and they like have like a temperature gauge on the beer and stuff. Um, but legitimately, the food and Twin is Peaks, really good. Twin Peaks is probably trying to go after them because they say they have the, they, they have yeah. the coldest beer in town. Yeah, that Twin Peaks parking lot's pretty empty over there. No, oh, yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, the, everyone's like, at the Bubba's. I feel like the, okay, that's right. Yeah. I feel like no one go. I feel like no salespeople pick operators up. Like, Let's go to Twin Peaks. Nothing like that. I, that never happens. I've never been. I assume what it is, but I've, I've actually never. Even I've heard of what it is, you and heard? it's disgusting. It sounds like it. Actually, the food is shit there. I, that's what I assume. You can quote me on. I, I, I will take that to the bank. So tell me about this. You brought in a bottle of Balcony's Rumble. And, uh, are, you a, are you a whiskey guy, a bourbon guy? What? I, I used to say I was a big bourbon guy and I do ha- I have a, a, a good collection of bourbon. Um, but I think I, you know, if I got to say it, I'm a whiskey guy. Cause I drink kind of, I drink scotch. I drink regular whiskey. I drink bourbon. I drink that, which is some sort of mix of so a you're about You're a Balcony's guy. I like Balcones. I, I'm all over, man. Um, my, I've gotten to the point where I just buy them and collect them now. My wife like makes fun of me. You don't even pop the pop the pop the cork. I got so many bottles. I just really? Even opened. And she's like, my wife now when she buys me a present like as whiskey, she always buys me two bottles. She buys me a nice bottle, so you can drink it, and then she'll buy me a bottle that I'll to uh, collect dust. Yeah, but you never know, man. Some of these things shoot through the roof in value. I got. I I have the uh, back in the day before we moved out to Midland. I did the whole co- the hunt and I collected all the Blantons. Really? So I spelled it all out in full Blanton bottles. And so I got that sitting tucked back. I was buying it for like 50 bucks a bottle. It was a different time, I've seen time, them man. for like 300 something. Oh, it was a different time, dude. Yeah. It was a different time. It's nuts. So what else What, what, what else you get into, man? So you're, you're working at Barton Creek. You like the crew over there? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, they're good dudes. So you got the, the what's cool about you, you got the finance side of things. I mean, there's a lot of uh, petroleum engineers out there. Do you feel like uh, taking on the, the, the financial side, the money side of things kind of helped you out in your career? Yeah, I think it definitely has. Um, I, I think it's important because that's, again, that's where the decisions get made. Like, I, I it was really eye-opening because when I was at Cabot, I worked South Region, so we worked Eagleford stuff. Okay. So I was very intimate with their Eagleford. And uh, I, I thought it was a great asset. We had really good wells. Um, and, they, you know, everyone's got a couple of stinker wells, but we had a lot of good wells on average. And then, but we would never get the, the capital that I thought we deserved. And I was like, I just don't get it. Like the North region gets all the money and uh, which they didn't get all of it, but. That's how then, it felt though. That's how it yeah. felt. And they get all the love. Like all, yeah. all the slides are all about the North region. Well, I get out and I go to the Mitchell group and uh, I'm doing my analysis on Cabot. I'm like, oh, because of like this $35 stock price, like $33, $32 of it is the North region. And that's why and you start like, understanding more about the decisions. The big picture when you can zoom out and just see the business and not the asset, it really helps you. Dude, something I've noticed about you, and this is kind of a, another subject right now, like I looked at your LinkedIn, man. It seems like you're, you're, you're founder. It's like you're always starting something, like your own business and all that stuff. Have, have you always been this, this had this entrepreneurial spirit and all that stuff? Yeah, it's a, uh, I'd say it's kind of like a family trait thing. Really? Um, so my dad started, when we, when we came back, he worked for a couple of different uh, export packing companies. Okay. Um, and they they'd pack up stuff, ship it overseas to all over the world. And um, he did it and did it and did it. And he was, he was a salesman. And, um, but he was actually a carpenter by, by trade growing up. He built a lot of the houses in the spring area. Um, and, um, one day he kind of just had enough. He just wasn't getting the recognition he wanted. So he started his own company, uh, Clark's export packing. And he started it when I was in high school. And so like, no, I'm nervous. I'm like, I'm about to go to college. My dad's like starting a company. Like, and he was building himself and, and his brother at the time building crates like in our garage, like in just the suburb, like building these big crates right. for people. It's mostly oil fields, so like huge valves and mud motors and stuff. And um through that real quick. Oh, that's cool. There's a uh, black hawk chopper going around H Town. So anyway, so we built all this stuff. Um and uh it was just it was he he brought his client base uh from his sales and uh it took off and then you know it's multi-million dollar company now that they do a ton of stuff. They got a big, uh, they got like eight acres over near the airport. Where wow. They all the stuff at a big warehouse. Okay. So he did that. And then, um, so I was like, wow, you know, just, and it, my dad's always been just put in the work, you know? And so I, I, and I worked for him for a while doing that just, and it wasn't like, you know, I, I would sit in the office, you know, in the AC or something like I'm out there chucking wood, mm -hmm. cutting stuff, putting these, um, boxes together you know really sweating it out and he's like you, you put in the work you know and and good things will happen like you got to work hard to do stuff okay and, and his whole one of his things is like you saw someone sitting around he's like if you got if time you got, to lean you got time to play you, go. yeah, oh, like, you better run be, that offshore buddy boy grab that broom yep and uh got, wait we got, <laughs> you got time to plop you got time to mop yes yeah, so there there, you go there's yeah, all that stuff yeah one. and so he, uh, and that was, that was successful. I mean, it was a grind at first, but he just perseverance. So I see that. And then, you know, my, my oldest brother independently, um, works, uh, he's in the med waste business 
And uh, he is he in Houston too? Yes. Okay. And so he uh, he went from like you know he initially back in like high school and stuff. Sometimes he would have a hard time in high school, like just you know uh, I think like some sort of like dyslexia type. Deal. Right. And um, he would uh, kind of struggle a little bit, but he got through it. He persevered. And then you know he worked regular jobs for a while, and then he kind of got into this medical waste thing and. He helped build this big machine that basically takes medical waste, you know, arms, heads, like legit. Oh, I thought you were really, I thought you were talking like, like use needles. You're talking also, about arms. Also and, those. Well, you're, okay. So we focus on needles and we focus on body parts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All, all, all in. We're all in. Anything all, that, that's any got to go. medical waste that you need. Because it's all got to be like sterilized. So it goes in this machine. It, it does. It has like a autoclave type thing where everything gets real hot, burns it up, the grinds shit, it up. I li- I'm the, the, I'm picturing this in my mind right now. And it's like a horror story. It's nuts. It's, it's but crazy it's just, what it's I'm thinking right now. It's a massive machine. And he, <laughs> and he's got, he's got patents on the wall where he helped build a lot of this stuff out. And then he, he made a couple of really good friends and they had since built and sold two companies. And right now he is the, uh, VP of North America for um, Trilogy Med Waste. Okay, they're they're backed by uh, KKR, and so they're they're just kicking kicking butt right now. The um, the oddly enough, this uh, pandemic, they started the company right before the pandemic, and you know medical waste just surged. Yeah, and so they've just been crushing pandemics. There, there was no better time to start a medical waste company good for them yeah so good for them he was killing it my uh oldest sister she's actually the the my dad had since retired she's now the president of clark so she's running that okay uh my other brother runs um all uh a bunch of the stuff at the port um worked his way up there uh so the port of houston bunch of yeah containers and stuff he's running all that and then my other sister was a cfo of a mechanical engineering firm and then has since moved over to do um, uh, an alloy company. So they sell mostly to like aerospace, but they also do oil field and stuff like that. So the Clark family are a bunch of hardworking sons of bitches. They work hard. They are hardworking people. It's nuts. And then, I mean, my dad didn't really, he didn't come from it's, much it's kind of It's kind of cool how like, it, it, so you have, you know, half of your siblings like in these actual companies that have worked hard and yeah. worked the way up. And the other half have like kind of started their own thing and done well. Like right. that's, that's such a cool, I guess, group of family, whatever you want to call it, the yeah. Lannisters or whatever, whatever, that have like all succeeded, have done tremendous work. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, we're all competitive too. Okay. Right? So, well, we, I mean, we always like, you know, jab each other here and there. It's, um, so I think that, that competitiveness helps each one of us kind of push a little bit harder in our own careers. And so you're kind of, you're kind of both. You got, you got the corporate side, but you also have the entrepreneurial spirit because like you're starting stuff, you're, 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 you're taking your ideas, you're taking your hard work and you're kind of putting that in your own little, little, um, uh, baby, if you want to call it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I I get a bunch of ideas and I wish I would act on more of them sometimes in hindsight. Yeah. Um, no, I've, I've been fortunate. I've, I have put in uh, a lot of hard work in, in what I've done. I'm, I'm proud of what I've done, but at the same time, you know, I've, I've been fortunate in a lot of things. Sometimes it's just timing. That's funny though. Like you just said, like, you know, like, yeah, a lot of good ideas, uh, just, you know, executing them is the kind of the toughest part. You know what I mean? I like, found that like, I, I don't find that I'm short on ideas. Sometimes I'm, 
I'm short on either time or just for me, it's energy and effort. There's that too. Energy and effort to actually like, like, for example, if if I have good, you know, when it comes to ideas, I got a lot of good creative and all stuff ideas, but I've realized that if, unless I actually uh, move forward and actually do, you know, make an action at them or actually make, you know, yeah. Do something with this idea. It doesn't matter what, what ideas I have. You yeah, know what I mean? no, it's true. It doesn't matter. You know, unless you execute, I mean, the, the rest, it's, it's all, you know, it's all smoke. Yeah. So. No, it's, and it, I mean, and it's tough. Like you really got to put in time on this stuff, which, you know, I mean, you got, you're all over it, man. I see you all over it's, LinkedIn, uh, killing it every, you got something new every day. Um, it's, that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but at the same time, I, there's, there's two sides of it. The, for the, the first side of it is like, number one, I like, you know, showcasing our industry. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, um, I find that it's our industry is small. I put, for example, yesterday I, I posted a video about this guy and, uh, I watched this mud motor video mm-hmm. and it was made in 1998. Okay. By Sperry drill, whatever, how yeah. whatever starts off this cheesy, you know, old school introduction. And then this guy just starts talking, gives a 26 minute thing about like mud motors and all, all that stuff. And then it just ends. Didn't say this guy's name. Didn't thank him. This was done back in 1998. And as a kind of as a joke, but kind of just seeing the, 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 the power of the connections, you know, yeah. the old connection crew, little plug. Yeah. But like, so I started doing that and I, I made a little video like, Hey, great video, blah, blah, blah. But I need to find this guy. Da, 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 like, Again, like, so I had this idea. So I saw this video and I, at night I was like, man, that'd be so funny if I put a video, like help, I need to find this guy yeah. to say good job. So that was an idea. Right. And if I didn't execute it, then, it, then the rest of the story would have happened. So yeah. pretty much I made this video, posted it, you know, all these, you know, a couple likes, a couple comments here and there. And then suddenly some guy goes, oh my gosh, that's let me find his name because I, yeah. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this guy unjustice because he's had unjustice for the past 30 years. So I need to find this. If I need to find the, yeah. find the post real quick. It's, it's, it's unbelievable though. Um, where is it at? This is worth the wait actually. Yeah. I will say that. Okay. So suddenly this guy goes, that's Paul Roberts. Uh, I commented, I was like, wait, is this, is that like a, a golfer? I don't know about, or yeah. is that like, like who's that? So suddenly it's like, yep, that's Paul Roberts. I'd recognize him anywhere. Paul Roberts writes on my post. He goes, JP, thank you very much for the compliment. I'm glad you found the video useful. If only I'd known to buy Apple stock then. So <laughs> I had the idea to create something like that. And, you know, I can't as a stupid example, but like I made the, I did the effort, executed yeah. this. Of it, and, that, and now this cat from 1998, you know, is round. He sees, like, like, I gave him a call on the way up here, you know, just uh, just to connect yeah. with him, just talk to him and all that yeah. stuff. Like, but again, it's executing, it's, it's doing the effort. And uh, so, yeah, so it is a lot of work, but at the same time, number one. Well, the result there was, I mean, you, it's put, insane. you put positive into like the universe, right? It's like, insane, yeah. You made that guy's day. Dude, you probably he, made that guy's week. I, dude, he made it, my day. Yeah. He made my day. The fact that I was and able to track great. this cat down, yeah. it's unbelievable. It's cool as shit. So, awesome. so like, look, part of it's like, yeah, like it's, it's number one, putting, putting positive stuff out there. You know what I mean? Our industry is pretty brutal right now. It's getting beat sure. down, uh, inside and outside. You know what I mean? Not just, you know, the acquisitions, the job losses and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, you're seeing people pick up and all stuff, but, um, also, you know, the narrative that's being written for us, you know, us being on that arbitrary bullshit list yeah. and all that stuff. But 
So, you know, one aspect of, you know, spread, you know, the, that our industry's, you know, made of people, mm-hmm. you know, we're not these, we're, we're not this, you know, corporate suit and tie, gray hair, blah, blah, blah. We're people. So that's one side of why, why, uh, why I post so much. And also the other side, yeah, it's a connection, you know, like I'm the new company connection crew. It's like, yeah, so I'm, I, I'm in touch with a lot of people. And if I'm not, I could get in touch. So it's like, right. I'm just showcasing yeah. the industry a little bit. No, I think it's great. I, I, in, in this day and age of such, like, it's cool to be negative, which, you know, it, it, it used to be funny to be negative. Like that was a thing. Like the, com- you know, good comedians were always just like ranting about something bad, but now it's like cool to be negative. Like the first thing people think about is just bad things to say about someone or something. And it's like, it sucks. I'm so it's, over that. Thing. I know. Like you, you know, we got kids growing up in this, like I'm still like fretting the, how am I going to deal with, you know, this future of, for my kids if, if we can't get over this general negativity and if, People don't realize that, no, you're part of big oil. You're part of the problem. Someone's going to make oil. Now, it could be me. It could be that guy. I want to make money because I want to provide for my family. I have a wife and kids that I want to do well by. I want them to have a nice life, right. too. It doesn't make me an evil person. It makes me doing a job. Well, know? I mean, the only reason you're an evil person is because someone that's not in the industry or appreciates the, what the, the value of life that hydrocarbons brings them, yeah. they can label us an, uh, a, 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 a bad person or right. a villain. Cause it's, it's easy. Super easy. Cause you're first off, you're not informed. You don't understand the impact from the top down. It's not just we're drilling oil to put in our cars. And that's, and to me, that's, and, and, and to think that because it says green or renewable and all stuff, there's, it's so clean. There's zero waste. It's like, it's only clean because the marketing team did a pretty damn good job saying it was clean. That doesn't yeah. mean it's true. No, you don't see the pits. The you don't see the pits. Chile, you don't see the mines. You don't see China, China Africa, wherever we get the pressure. Right. You don't see that. You know what I mean? You know, and then, you know, you're shutting down the U.S. oil and gas. And do industry. I think they should shut that down so that we don't have any of the, these batteries or anything? No, I think that we still need these things. Right? Honestly, it's like, just not it's, clean. it's the, and that's the thing though. Like, I don't mind having an energy conversation. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm a, my, 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 uh, mind says, let's be a Prius. You know what I mean? You need both. You need gas. You need, you need the, sure. other, the other side of things to discount one to say, we don't need that. We need energy. You know what I mean? I think it's such a short minded, uh, it's, 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 it's not informed, you know, yeah. and I, I don't like standing defending a not from to a non-informed person right you know and that's it's frustrating no it's 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 interesting it, it is very frustrating you know there's there's varying um political things within my family even my my family in general is is i it's funny enough my family is more far right than i am i, I would consider myself pretty moderate but um so much so that they make fun of me for being you know too liberal and then my wife's family is is very left leaning, and so they make fun of me for being too conservative. <laughs> so I can't win anyone can't win at all. Um, but uh, you know, when I when I do talk, you know, sometimes to my niece and nephew on my uh, on my wife's side, you know, I, I just, like I feel like they just have this predetermined notion that just oil is just bad. Yeah, and it's not. I don't think it's their fault. I think it's just a narrative that's being well. Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. The the. The, the villain was an oil company. Bigfoot and Family on the Netflix show. I I watched that, and then there, Dude, there was two Netflix cartoons I watched back to back because I one I, of them I was Bigfoot, cartoons. and one of them was 
I couldn't believe it. I was like, why is oil the villain in every one of these? Dude, cartoons? I have a four minute clip on my phone. Pretty much, I went through it with, with my daughter, Evelyn, yeah. and I started watching. So I, I, I fast forward every part that it was, it was like four minute 30 of, of pure just bullshit against our industry. What was yeah. the other one? I can't remember. It, it, you're right about it. Or was it the, which one's the one you said? I said Bigfoot and Family. Okay, that's the one I'm thinking of. And then, Oh, there's another one. We watched. Uh, watched. We watched another one with a uh, with a. Uh, the villain was an oil uh, an oil company. I'm trying to remember. It, it was two like newish Netflix yeah. uh, animated ones back to back. The Bigfoot one. Well, and then I rewatched. Uh, I was trying to see if my kids would like the Muppets. I rewatched like the Muppet movie, yeah. the one with um, somewhat recent. The dude that was in um, that the funny one is Freaking Sarah Marshall. Yeah. That yeah. One. Um, I didn't realize it. You know, I guess I just didn't pay enough attention. But the bad guy in there is like Tex Oil Man. And like he's trying to take over the Muppet Studios so he could drill his oil well. Like, it was just terrible. Was, like it was done kind of in a funny way. Whereas like these other ones were just like, these people are bad. Or like if you look back, you know, if, if you ever go back and watch some cartoons that you love. Yeah. Like first of all, All Dogs Go to Heaven, which I absolutely loved. That is not a good cartoon. What do you mean? It's, it's all about. They, they kidnapped this little girl. First of all, that's okay. like the whole thing. And then there's dogs just getting drunk and playing gambling. And then they got like guns. They're shooting at people. Like, I don't remember any of that. I just remember like, oh, yeah, no, dogs go to heaven. That's why that's the moral of this cartoon growing up. Well, you could have got us there. I mean, in Splash, I mean, the opening scene in Splash, this kid is looking up girl's skirts and like pulling out a penthouse. And that was a PG movie back in the day. That's wild. Isn't it? Well, the the point, I guess, was I was thinking of Fern Gully. (laughs) Because I guess Fern Gully, the, the bad guys are, are people trying to like mow down the Amazon for oil. And like all they wanted to do is like, we just want this oil. So we put it all over the ground. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I know. It's just so I mean, how do you how do you how do you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like so even so in Bigfoot and the family, the, the guy was walking in and he was uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we want to, well, first off, he was talking to the camera. We want to do this clean. We want to do the most environmentally friendly yeah. and all that stuff. And yeah. then it shut off. He's like, I just care about profits. Yeah. And so here's the deal. Even if, to me, I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of bullshit. So I'm telling my daughter this. But even, even if I walk away, what if my kid's thinking, oh, maybe daddy's just saying that. Like, he said that. Because he's in it for the profits. And then yeah. once it gets kicked, then once once I'm not around, he changes. You know what I mean? So right. it's like. It's it's a it's a it's a lose lose. Anyway, we don't have to go down that road. Anyway. I didn't think about that. That's actually I didn't really think. It's about true that though. It's like no, you're right. So even if even if our school involvements or community involvements were saying, hey, look, you know, da da da, like you know, we're here, like, da, da, whatever that whatever that. Mess- so there, that's the narrative that we are. It's not just that we're bad, but that we're two faced. We're two faced exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what we do, what we wow. say, we're still kind of scumbags. Yeah. So it sucks. So yeah, there is no winning there. There's no winning. So that's kind of the point of this and the the podcast and all that stuff. And like, it's just like kind of like if if it's if if some dude uh, has a name Bo Clark in California that has no idea about the industry and listens to this, like, oh wait a minute, maybe they're not. You know, these people that I thought, or maybe they're not that. So it was kind of a way to tell our story. And hopefully it just bleeds out a little bit. You yeah. Know? So Put shit. Some more positivity on it. Who knows, man? So what else you got for me? Um, I don't know. My wife said that I should, I should tell you that I skateboard because she finds that interesting. Do you skateboard? I do. I, I skateboarded a lot in high school. Were you Pal Peralta? No, I'm not that good. I, I. Well, what board did you have? Oh, 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 oh. I actually, I started out on hookup sports. Okay. Because they always had those lewd. So you are skateboarding. So you shred. So do you, do you go to like, like uh, skate parks? 
Yeah, I do occasionally. What? Still? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not nearly as good as I How used to How are you just saying yes and just like, that's the conversation? Give give me more to this. I haven't been to any of the ones since we got back, but there was actually a pretty decent one in Midland. And I would go, I, I'd, I'd old man you style. You held it up? You held so it I, in neat? Huh? Do you helm it up in a knee pad? I, I do a helmet now. Okay. I used, I mean, when I, when I was skating in high school, I didn't do any of that. Right. But, um, I, I, I was getting what I thought was fairly good in high school. And then I was showing off for a girl at the time. Um, interestingly enough, my wife's best friend now. Um, but I was showing off for her and there was this flatbed 18 wheeler in this parking lot. And so I tried to do a kick flip off of the back of that. So we're, I mean, that's like five foot high yeah. or something like that. And I landed in like, I didn't know you could do this, but I dislocated my ankle. So like my ankle just flipped upside down. That is so disgusting. It was rough. I can't handle that. And um, so that that was my, and that was like right before school ended. So that was my summer was like on this broken ankle. Um, so now I'm a little bit, you know, older, a little bit more cautious. So like I would wake up early stretch. so that kids you know, do a little bit of stretching, stretch for skateboarding, wake up early so that there's no kids there to be laughing at me at the park. And then, you know, I just kind of roll into the bowl, do some kind of. You do realize, I don't think I've sat across from a skateboarder in years. Yeah. At least I don't think so. So if anyone's out there that I have talked to before that skateboard, like, please nobody let me know. Th- nobody really talks. No it, one knows It's a great exercise, though. I mean, falling sucks way more now Dude, than it does, you know, back then. But it yeah. hurts now. It, it hurts it now. Hurts it sticks with you. It, it sticks with you a little bit. With you. But I'm, I'm, I like it now because I got. My, my kids are into it. I am blown. What a fun activity to do with your kids too. Oh yeah. And so, and then, you know, I, I freak out. So I'll pick up my little one. He's like one in 18 months or yeah, 18 months. And so I'll pick him up and then, you know, kind of like tic tac and I'll just go around the driveway back and forth. And she's like, put him down. I'll like do a little pop shove it or something like that. And she freaks out. Ollie. I'm yeah. an Ollie for you. Yeah. So were you like, did you wear those baggy jeans? Those, uh, in uh high school? I could not afford those baggy jeans. Were you like, so were I was you, just you like were, normal were you jeans. Skater kid in high school. Yeah, I was probably like I probably dressed like skater kid. There yeah. you go. I, I had some skateboard shirts that I'd wear, and then um, normal jeans. Like, yeah, there were those kids who wore those like Jinkos. Yeah, or the Jinkos. That's what they're called. Yeah, I no Jinkos were real expensive. I okay, I did not know that. They a lot of denim, a lot of lot of lot of material in them. Well, yeah, they're, yeah, and they were. I mean, mine, mine were baggy. I guess probably. Dude, like, I can't believe you're a skateboarder. That's awesome. It's 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 fun. And I, I, I'd like to do it a little bit more, but, um, I don't know. I got two boards at home. One of them just older than the other, but yeah, no, I just, I think it's a great exercise. I think that, and, you know, I'm, I'm still hip, you know, dude, that's so hip. I, w- I want my, I want my kids to, to kind of, at the same time, I'm kind of scared for them, but at, you know, it's fun. I, dude, I, I, have I loved ne- it. I've never learned how to, like, I know how to skateboard, but when it comes to, like all in and tricks, yeah. I never, I couldn't know. Oh yeah. I mean, I, 360 flips, stuff like that. I can still do a, a varial flip, like a 180 kick flip. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I did it. I did it actually. They didn't think I could do it uh, in the Champion Lone Star office. They were like, there's no, because I, I do it for uh, stress relief. You know, you get stressed out, board meetings and stuff. Yeah, board I'd grab, meetings. I grab the board. Hey, man, this is our board meeting <laughs> here, man. Go out and then uh, you find just like a, an empty park. Some asphalt, that. man. You just, all you, just, just connect. It's nice. It's nice. Do you yeah. have any videos of you? No, thankfully. All right, so no, here's the deal. When we release this, I want to get a video of you doing a kickflip or something like that because I need to see this. I need to see right. this and the people, okay. need, the people we'll need to see this. People need to see it? Yes. Okay. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, honestly, thank you for, thank your wife for telling you to do, to bring well, it up. Well, because I was talking to her and I was like, I was, again, doing my research. I'm like, I don't know. 
talk about. I'm like, I don't even. I'm like, I always I, want. I don't always, want to talk about half the time. Well, I, my life predominantly has been work. Yeah. So it's like, what do you want to talk about? Work. Like that's that's what I deal with all the time. She's like, no, you got you know you like you skateboard. You know that's interesting. You like cars. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um. So she's like, you like whiskey? And I'm like, okay. So, did you Tony? Did you play Tony Hawk back in the day? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I show. got like a demo disc in like one of those video game magazines, and like I probably had to wear that disc out. I played it so much. I remember those magazines. Yeah, they were great. God, things have changed, man. Oh, I know. Different time, but not not really though. I mean, you're still shredding. You're still bored. Still am. I respect that. Thanks. Well, Bo, I appreciate you coming in today, man. Everyone, this Thanks is Bo Clark. Uh, you can find him on a. Actually, I don't even know what that's on. I'm looking at the camera like it's at, like it's not out of batteries. But anyway. Oh, so is it out of batteries? I think it's out of batteries. Yeah. So, oh, I just uh, thought the screen turned off. No, I think it's done. So anyway, so everyone, cool. this, is, this is Bo Clark. You can find him on uh, on uh, on uh, LinkedIn or, or at your nearest uh, skate park. Uh, make sure you connect with him, say hello, and just introduce. Welcome him back to Houston. Yeah. Right. That's right. I'm happy to be back. Starting that starting that Houston network now. Yeah. All right. So I hit it hard. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning into Energy Crew, and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Mm-hmm.